you've had one to see. Pastor Joel, Pastor Russ, now you get Travis, <laughs> the ball gown staff. That's, why, that's how I refer to myself uh, as the ball guy, because when I call people, they're like, um, which one are you? And I'm like, the guy who is uh, by no choice of his own losing his hair and just decided to shave it so that you don't know. Okay, so welcome to church. I'm glad you're here. You've had a ton of welcomes today. It's going to be an awesome Sunday. Um, this is one of those uh, messages I feel like I've had in me for a while. And uh, if you're a type A personality, is anybody a type A personality? Okay, one of my friends, two of my okay. All the high blood pressure people, raise your hand. Come on. All right, that's you, right? It's funny, I went to, the, went to one of those little kiosk things, which I swear are always wrong, and I put my arm in there, and it said I was like almost close to death, and I was like, no, right? Take it out, do it again, then it says I'm 120 over 80, and I'm like, I'll go with that one, right? That's what type A's do. So as a type A, I like to over-prepare for stuff. You can go in my office, you can see whiteboards. You can go into the um, uh, conference room, and you can see whiteboards with lined rulers, like I literally will take and ruler off things. That's the kind of person I am. So um, as I attempted to prepare for this, I kind of got stopped in the middle of it um, because there's just so much that kept coming out of it. And, and God said, you don't need to. Just deliver it the way I gave it to you. And I said, okay. Um, so I uh, hope it comes across the right way. And I make no apologies for how it comes across, if that's okay. All right? So um, let's do this. Let's pray before we get started. If that's good with you guys, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for each and every soul that's gathered here today, Lord, and I simply pray that their minds and their hearts will be open to the move of your spirit. Lord, let no work of the enemy in this moment bring a cloud over them. Lord, speak and sing songs around them in the middle of this. Father, I ask all of this in your son's name, in Jesus' name. All right, I want to start off with the scripture. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your iPad, if you've got your whatever it is you carry your Bible on, pull that out. And we're going to read from the book of John. Uh, it's chapter 5, and it goes verses 1 through 14. Um, and I'll, I'll stop and go in the middle of this. I am reading from the message version, and I will go ahead and apologize for the smallness of the text. It looked bigger on my computer when I made them. So for all you people that need to wear glasses uh, to see that and still can't see it, my apologies. You'll get to hear me read it here. So... Um, I'm a big storyteller. I'm not a very point, um, point A, point B, point C guy, or one, two, three guy. So I'm going to tell stories today. Who likes stories? Who likes stories? I love stories. I love to tell them because in my view, the most powerful words in the English language are let me tell you a story because immediately people lean in to hear it. They want to hear what you've got to say as far as a story goes. I can say that to my son and have absolutely nothing to say, and he immediately goes, I want to hear it. And I, I've made up a couple sometimes just to appease him. This is not made up. Um, so in the book of John, it says this. Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. He had been sick. 38 years. Can you imagine that? He couldn't walk, had something up with him. 38 years this guy had been this way. I'm 35. I can't even imagine. I, I had sinus infection last three, four weeks, and it almost killed me. Can you imagine being, you know, my wife shaking her head because I'm a baby when I get sick. Any babies in the house when they get sick? Only men are going to raise their hand. That's cool, right? So I was a baby, but this guy had been this way for 38 years. And the Bible goes on to say that when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he'd been there, he said, do you want to be well? 
that right there in itself, we could stop with. Do you want to be well? It's a huge, huge question. It's a loaded question. Can you guys feel the, the weight of that question? You're going to hear how this guy responds here in a second because he doesn't respond the way you and I would think. Now, in our, our intellect, we would respond with yes, right? This guy doesn't respond this way. Um, he responds a little differently. Before we get to, get to that, let me, let me give you some history. Um, I did a little research on the Bethesda pool, and uh, there's a, a common, um, how do I put it? It's not a myth. In, the, in, in one translation of the Bible, it says that, uh, that this pool had healing properties, that people would crowd around this pool that were sick, and, and as you hear, and they would crowd around it, and they just wanted to get in because the Bible says when the waters were stirred, people would be healed. And there's a, a version of the Bible that um, it says that in a certain season, an angel would come down, and he would stir the waters, and that the first person in got the healing. It's like jackpot, right? You pull the little lever, and ba-ding, ding, you know, all the coins rolled out, you got healed. Now, in my research, I found out that um, some scholars, some Jewish scholars, actually uh, believed that, that the translators of this portion uh, of, of the Bible, that they were rewriting this over centuries, this, this story's been carried down, they didn't understand why the pool had healing properties. So they kind of added this thing to it that an angel came down and stirred the water, and then during that time, people would jump in and get healed. But in further looking into-ness, that's my, that's, I just made that up, feel free to use that later, looking into-ness, Further looking into it, you find out that most Jewish scholars believe that this was not an actual Jewish place of worship. It wasn't a Jewish place of of healing, although there were many Jews that were gathered around that were sick. During this time, the actual ruler of the area was the Roman Empire. You guys familiar? We tracking? They were the Roman Empire, and they were pagans. They had many gods. And during this time, they believed that that actual pool was part of a complex, a little temple complex that was dedicated to a pagan god. And it had pagan roots because it started off as a place to water sheep, hence the name Sheep Gate, right? So it had pagan principles and operating things that went along with it. And so these people would come to this place and, and this, this temple was dedicated. There was a particular god that it was dedicated to. And if you're a Roman, you knew him as Asclepius. Um, if you were... Greek, you knew him as Serpia, and uh, his symbol was a rod with a snake. You guys, if you're familiar with the rod and the snake, where that's from? You ever seen an ambulance? They got the big blue thing on the back, and then there's a rod with a snake. Now, they were a cult, and these people would gather around this thing. They wanted to be healed so badly. They wanted to be well so so badly. They were just by hundreds. Just gather around this. And what would happen was the first one to get in the waters when the, when the water was stirred, they believed would receive healing. Now, the deal with the healing that they were going to receive and the way the water was stirred was even stranger. They would literally, the, the priest would bring a serpent and place it in the water. And the water would be stirred by the serpent. So the first one in the water with the snake, <laughs> nobody likes this already, do you? First one in the water with the snake is the one who got the healing, right? Now, have you ever been in a lake fishing, in a boat, or maybe in the water? <laughs> Let's just pretend for a moment. Because every time I'm in the boat, I want to be in the water. And every time I'm in the water, when you can't see the bottom, I want to be in the boat because I'm not sure what's there. You're in the boat, and you look out, and you see heading your way. Even when you're in a boat, what do you want to do? 
No, let's hear it. What do you want to do? What was that? Get somewhere else. Some people may even want to pick up the paddle and start smacking the water. This is a snake in the water. I was in a lake one time. I was swimming at one of these lake beaches type deal. And um, as I'm in the, uh, the water, you know, I, it doesn't even matter if I see the little swimming. I, I'm, I mean, Jesus walks on water. I'll make a good attempt to get out. That's what's happening. I'll make a really good and fast attempt to get out of this water. So these people were sitting around and that what, they, what they were doing. And again, this is, this is certain, there's certain Jewish scholars that believe this. Um, that this was that, that temple dedicated this thing, and that's how it would happen. But these people were so wanting to be well that they were willing to get in the water with a stake. So Jesus walks in through the sheep gate, and there's more there. And the Bible says he sees this guy. Now this guy previously had been invisible to the entire world. Sees the guy, knows how long he's been there. Now the Bible tells us 38 years the guy had been this way, and I could assume that he'd been coming as long as there had been rumor of healing there. Knows how long the guy has been this way and speaks a word to this guy and says, do you want to be well? The next thing the guy says is is crazy to me because you and I would be like, yes, yep, yes, all that stuff. We would be like, yes, however you say it, whatever language, yes, we want to be well. This guy said something different, which is probably more along what goes on in our head when we're asked the question, versus what would verbally come out. This guy, when Jesus says, do you want to be well, or to get well, is what he said, the sick man said, sir, (laughs) when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Somebody else is in front of me. They get there before I get there. I I really want, but I I just can't. I'm late for school this morning, or, or you put in whatever excuse that would mean something to you, and that's what usually rolls through our head when we're asked the question that it has a simple answer to. So so this guy starts firing off all these things about how he can't get in there. I mean, he's an invalid. I mean, she, he couldn't walk. He was sitting on this thing, and and he's just like nobody's there to put me in. I can't help. And Jesus, in all his all his awesomeness, even though the guy didn't answer the the question correctly. And Bethesda, by the way, means a place of mercy is what it means. Uh, He literally made it a place of mercy and said, get up and take your bedroll and start walking. Healed the man in the spot. Jesus marched into a place of, of pagan worship, pagan healing, didn't say get in the water. And you'll notice that Jesus makes statements throughout the, the New Testament where he tells people to go wash themselves. There's a pool that he tells this one guy to go wash himself. He doesn't tell this guy to wash himself in this pool. He says, get up and start walking. He walks into this enemy's little stronghold and by the power of his spoken word changes the reality of this man's life. Just like that. Even though the guy didn't have the right answers. Now, how many of you guys in here think you've got it all figured out? Oh, good. We've got honest people today. That's awesome. I by no means have it all figured out. Um, and I love the answers. Again, with that type A personality, I hate to be wrong. Does anybody hate to be wrong? I mean, you do your research, you take the time, you don't want to be wrong. And, and if it comes down that you're wrong in the end, okay, I'm wrong. I don't like it, but I'm wrong, right? I, uh, I had an instant where um, something similar to this story happened to me. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, about a year ago, almost a year today, I think it was October, uh, the staff, we were at Gateway Church um, out in Texas, and we were at a conference out there, Carrie Job's singing and all these wonderful 
big name people are singing and all these high energy preachers like Stephen Furtick are delivering the word and all these things. And, and we're getting ready and everybody's excited, right? And we're sitting there. And as I'm sitting there, um, you, you ever heard someone's voice that just is like nails on a chalkboard? You just hate it. You, just, you know the person and you just, mmm. It just drives you. The minute you hear their voice, the very minute you hear their voice, there's all the feelings that, that were associated previous to the, the, the reason that their, their voice ma- makes you mad or whatever. It just comes back up inside you. Anybody ever heard, ever had that happen to you? I mean, you may not seen this person for years, and then that voice pops up, and you're like, like a bull. All of a sudden, you're just ready to go. So I'm sitting there, and there's probably 8,000 people in this, this arena-esque type thing. And we're sitting there, and we're close to the fr- not close to the front, but we're kind of in the middle. And I hear the voice, and I'm like, Start breathing because the blood pressure starts going up. I'm like, oh, this dude, <laughs> it's no way he's here. <laughs> no way. And I turn around, and I, because you, you don't want to draw attention, but why not? I turned around, and I look, and it's this, it's this guy. I, this guy, he drives me insane. Just the sound of his voice makes me want to grind my teeth, which is a horrible thing altogether. And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, mm-hmm. And I felt this, the presence of God, and the Spirit of God said, you need to go apologize to him. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. I don't know about that. Now, you may think, okay, well, that's story good. Just go apologize to the guy. Well, let me rewind the story and tell you why I needed to apologize to the guy. Rewind six years ago, I believe it was. We were building, no, it was more than that. Gosh, how long is this place, how long is the new, I said six years last time. It's probably like 11 years. Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> so, say 11 years ago, we are building, in the process of building this place, we go traveling around to other churches to get a feel for what they're doing with their auditoriums and, and, and how their sanctuaries are, are done. And we stop off at this place, and, and I'll tell you the name of the place later and the guy. And uh, the pastor is so gracious. He's like, hey, I want to take your, you guys out to lunch. And so we go, and we're, we're at lunch with him. And my favorite uh, food in the world, Mexican food. Anybody? Anybody going Mexican after this? Nobody? Really? Okay, and my wife's like, we're going. So my favorite food, Mexican food, he takes us to this place. We're sitting there. And uh, at that point, I was a children's pastor, very young uh, in, in what I was doing and my calling, and, and most of the time very ignorant, um, a lot of times very stubborn, and even more times than that, wrong, even though I hate to be wrong. And, uh, and even more than that, uh, I was very brazen and brash about, about how I would say things. And so I'm sitting there talking to his children's pastor, and we're hitting it off because we're both in kids' ministry. We're just all about it. And he looks down the table, notices this, and says something. He says, hey, I got a question for you. And he asked me this question, and it had, the question was, hey, I gave our children's minister time off. He said, I, I gave him, I gave him a, a six months off, and we paid somebody else to come in and do children's ministry. And um, when they did children's ministry, he just got to set out. He still drew his paycheck, and I, I sit there and looked at him. He goes, what do you think about that? And I said, I think it's a waste of church resources when you got the guy sitting right here that can handle it. And I said, I think it's stupid. And so this is a pastor I'm talking to, right? And you're like, <gasps> and I, and I, so I'm, I'm, I'm being more rude, obnoxious, and, and, and dumb in my youth in this moment, and just very offensive to the guy. Not really fully understanding the guy was saying, I care enough about the children's pastor that I gave him time off to be in the auditorium and we paid someone, I, I, we, we care enough about his well-being. I didn't get that in the moment. So fast forward, I mean, I, I, we, all the way home I talked about this guy. The staff were like, they're sitting in the car, and I'm still just running my mouth about it. Blah, 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 blah. So now fast forward, we're sitting in at Gateway Auditorium, and God says, you need to go apologize to this guy. Now this church is in Gainesville, and now we're sitting out in Texas, and, and, and the Lord's saying, you need to go apologize. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you ever done that before? When, when God says to do something, you're like, ah, how about we do it this way? And God's like, no, I just said go do it. So I get up, 
No, no, this time I didn't get up. I decided, no, I'm not going to do it, God. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm, my pride's getting in the way. I can't do it. And I, we walk out and we go to one of these little breakout sessions. And the whole time, I'm like this. During worship, that whole time, I was like this. I didn't want to have anything to do. I was like, hmm. And then we come out of the breakout session. And then an amazing thing happens. I'm going to move. Because people are creatures of habit. You sit even in here where you feel comfortable and possibly even where you sat last time. Who is sitting in the same spot that they... Okay, raise your hand. Come on. You sat in the same spot you sat last week. Or if you're first time here, uh, next week you'll be sitting where you're at because you're comfortable there, right? So I got up and I'm like, knowing this smart guy I am, I moved to the other side of the auditorium thinking this is not going to happen. I sit back down and, and worship's getting ready to start. I think it was Stephen Furtick's getting ready to... And I hear the voice again. Come from behind me. And I'm like, I was like, oh. He starts talking. Swallow. I turn around and look. God's like, you need to go apologize. And I'm like, so I get up. And I start walking towards him. And I start talking with him a little bit. And thank God, um, Pastor Joel uh, stepped into the mix. And he started talking to the guy. And I was like, off the hook. Right? I don't gotta I don't gotta apologize to this guy. I'm good. And 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 I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And Joel just kept talking with him and I felt kinda like I'm gonna back up as they're talking. So I slowly started backing away from the conversation. All the while God said, No, step into the conversation and apologize. I'm like, no, I'm start backing up. And um I go and take my seat and the whole time during worship, amazing, amazing service. Make, I'm sitting here like this. You ever had that? You ever came into a, a worship service and you brought something with you and you refused to 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 let it let it go for that and you're I'm not going to receive anything anybody has to say. I'm not going to receive the worship. I'm not going to enjoy the freedom. I'm just going to, because I'm so stuck in myself and what's going on. So this is happening with me. Now, in a similar story to this, Jesus is literally telling me, do you want to be well? He's literally asking me in this moment, do you want to be well? And the reason he's asking me that is because of what I've been sitting on that I didn't know I was sitting on for almost 10 years. Now, in our story, when he asked the guy if he wants to be well, the guy gives him excuses. I gave God excuses. I poured out the excuses like, like hot butter on a pancake. I was just pouring it out. I did not want to do it. But aren't you glad that even though we don't sometimes have the right answers to the questions, that God still in his mercy and grace chooses in this story like, to make us well? I mean, I mean Literally. So let's flip to the next scripture. Um, I'll read from the Bible real quick. Coming up. Basically, after he says that you want to get one of it well, Jesus says something to him. He says, "Get up your, pick up your bedroll and walk." Now I brought, I brought this thing here. Now this is you got a, anybody got a five year old? How about a four year old? First grader. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a bed, uh, bed mat. These are hated by all preschoolers and all uh, kindergartners alike absolutely hated. Why do you think they're hated? Nap time. My kid hates nap time. It's like the, the utmost worst thing that could happen to him because he feels in his five years that he's going to, he's, he's actually already missed too much by sleeping, that he's going to miss more by shutting his eyes and recharging. He feels like it's going to happen. And, and you know, we adults are guilty of that as well. We just don't have this to actually blame it on, but he hates it. Like he, I've gotten complaints. Um, and my wife's a, a principal at a school where he's been in her office during nap time, he's laying under it. He is laying this way on it. I mean, you name it, he has done anything he can to keep from, from actually sleeping on this thing because he 
He can't stand to nap. I mean, he literally can't stand to do it. It's, it's like he hates it more than anything. Well, this guy in our, our story had, had for 38 years been this way. And the Bible says that he was on a bedroll. And the bedroll he was on was designed to do something in particular. When you go camping, does anybody like to sleep on the ground? No. Why? Why don't you like to sleep on the ground? Hurts. It's uncomfortable. So this whole purpose of this bedroll is to keep this guy comfortable. So he's sitting on this bedroll for 38 years, and Jesus comes up and asks him, does he want to be well? And the guy gives him excuses, and then Jesus says in the middle of his excuses, get up, take your bedroll, and walk. And I always found it amazing. Like, like he, didn't, he didn't tell him to throw it away. He just said, take your bedroll and walk with it. I didn't know for 10 years I had been sitting on something. And even now as I speak, I, I, I feel it right now that there are people in here that, that God is speaking to that you have something you've been sitting on for a long time that's keeping you from being well. This, this bed mat this guy was sitting on, the very thing he sat on is what made him invisible to the community. But he wasn't invisible to God. Because the Bible says Jesus walked right in, saw the man sitting there, knew how long he'd been there, walked up to him, no one else to him, and said, do you want to be well? The very thing that he's sitting on. And then he tells him to pick it up and walk with it. Now, the story goes on, and I'm going to try to do it from memory, that he, uh, oh no, here it is. I don't have to do it from memory, thank gosh. Um, it says, he got up, walked with his bedroll, and, on the, and he's walking off with this thing, and on, it happened to be on the Sabbath, which is the day you don't do things. The Jews stopped the healed man and said, it's the Sabbath. You can't carry your bedroll around. It's against the rules. This guy literally was carrying the thing he'd been sitting on for 38 years around. And they said, you can't do that. The very thing that identified him to the community, even though he was invisible to them, he's now carrying it around. And they tell him he can't do that. And they said, who told you to do that? He said, the man who made, the man who made me well told me to do that. He said, take up your bedroll and start walking. Now, do you ever hate being told what to do? Who, who really just enjoys having, having orders barked at them? Come on, nobody? I didn't, I didn't think so. Who likes giving orders? Okay, so I have this nasty habit uh, of always trying to be right. And so when God will tell me things, I will turn around and start telling him things. You ever do that? Come on now, be honest. There's nobody wants to be honest in here today. I'll be the honest one for you. I do that. When God says to me, you need to do this, I will turn around and say, but, 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 if, 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 and then I'll start telling him what I think he needs to do. And then in his mercy and grace, he, he comes alongside me and slowly and slightly corrects me on the right path. And I, I, I can't stand to be wrong in the middle of that. And I told a, I told a funny story, and I'm going to go, Dr. Thomason, he stopped me after I told the story in the first one. He stopped me and said, hey, don't tell any stories about your wife. It makes her look bad. And <laughs> I said, well, she told me to tell it, right? So, Think, think about things you hate. Like, I want you to understand and know how much I hate being wrong. We were, we were on a vacation last week, and we went to the beach, and we, were, we decided to go crabbing. Who's went crabbing before? Anybody? Okay. It's a, it's a fun experience and slightly terrifying at the same time. 
right? If you've ever been, it's, the, it's pitch black. There, I mean, there was a moon out, very, very covered up by clouds, and we've got flashlights, and there's like a quarter mile of beach, and there's ocean, you hear it, and as you flash the flashlight around, you see tiny little eyes everywhere. And as you walk towards them, you see, and my wife will say she doesn't trust anything that walks crooked, um, you'll see these things just scatter. And some of them are this big, some of them are this big. Uh, all of them that night were white. <laughs> and so we're walking out to the beach with our flashlights going crabbing to try to catch them. And, and as soon as we did that whole thing with the flashlight, immediately my wife screamed. Because she hates spiders. You guys heard the story about the lady who got out of the car with her son in the car that caused a wreck because there was a spider in the car? Okay, I'm not saying she hates them that much that she would do that. There's a good chance that something would go down in the car and we'd have to get the car fixed. So, and, and it's nothing on her. She just doesn't like spiders, right? So we're walking out and the whole time she's like, she's walking on her tiptoes, I don't, like, like this. <laughs> and I, we're all like, it's, it's okay. And she's like, no, no, it's not. Because for her, hell is that. White, spider crab-like things that run everywhere sometimes chase you and change direction unexpectedly. That's what it would be like for her. So as much as she hates that, I hate being wrong. So I get on the plane after this deal, and I'm headed home. And, you know, we're flying out from Dallas. It's a short flight. We're sitting in the back of the plane, and... You know, we almost didn't get to fly out because Pastor Russ didn't, he, he missed, almost missed the flight. Um, you know that last person that gets on a plane that everybody's waiting on? I mean, everybody's got their stuff put up, buckled up, getting ready for whatever they're doing, got their earphones in, their jam playing. We couldn't take off because there was a seat empty. <laughs> and it was Russ. So we're waiting and Russ gets on the plane. We had fun with that and the stewardess, uh, flight attendant, sorry, flight attendant. Had, had fun with, with Russ on that too, which is awesome. And as we're sitting there and we get to flying, we're, we're, we're flying in a smooth flight. It's an awesome flight back, just, you know, smooth as it could be. And I felt God say to me, there are doors that I want to open in your life that you have your hand on and you are keeping them shut because you will not get up and do what I've said. There are literal doors. There are doors that you, I mean, I can swing them open for you, but I'm, do you know God will, will, he can open any door he wants to for you, but he'll also let you keep them shut. Because if you try to open a door that you're not ready for, or he opens a door that you're not ready for, that isn't a loving thing. So he said to me, there are doors that you have your hand on right now that you've got shut that I want to open, and it's because of this that I cannot do it. And I was like, oh, who wants to have the doors that God wants open for him open, swung wide? Anybody? I mean, literally, he says this to me, and I, I'm, 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 we're flying home, and I get home, and I tell Brittany, um, and I said, well, you'll never guess what happened. Do you remember that? <laughs> and she's like, well, did you do it? That's what she said to me. I said, well. <laughs> she goes, are you serious? Because <laughs> the doors that are being held shut for you affect me. As the priest of the home, whatever I keep shut up is shut up for her. So she literally was like, you need to go get on the phone. So I, I get up the phone, I start trying to make phone calls, and I, I'm on there, and, and I can't get the guy. And it's super funny that this guy, he lives in Gainesville, and I get back home, and I'm trying to call him, trying to call him, trying to call him. Can't get a hold of the guy, but God literally sets me up a couple states away in Texas and puts him right behind me in 8,000 people and says, get up and go talk to him. Let's me know that every time I try to fix something, it's going to be more trouble for me than if I just listen to God in the moment. I, I spend my life just recounting things where I should have listened to God, so... I've got story upon story that go with that. 
So I call the guy. Finally get a hold of him. It was like it was January of this year that I get a hold of the guy. Now, um, he he he's a pastor of a church, church on, church of I think it's church on War Hill. Does anybody know familiar with that church? Okay. His name is Don Allen. He's he's a pastor, a senior pastor there. Um, and uh, he's actually the church actually owns Victory 91.5. Who listens to that? Does anybody know Victory? Okay, good. We're, so I call him, I finally get a hold of him as he's leaving his office and he comes back out and I said, listen. Um, I need to talk to you. And he was like, hey, you know, and we start doing all this stuff. You know the stuff you do when you're, um, when you're talking to somebody, it's a little awkward. You know, the, the pleasantries that you have to get through. I can't stand those. The, Russell call me and he'll do things and he'll, he'll like, give me the pleasantries and I'm like, just skip to the point, let's go, right? Type A personality, I don't have time for all this stuff. I know you love me, care about me, all these things just get to the point. It just drives me insane. So we were doing the pleasantries on the phone back and forth and, um, and as we're doing the pleasantries, I said, hey, listen, and that's how you transition. <laughs> that's how you move from all that stuff to, okay, what I really wanted to talk to you about, right? So I said, hey, listen, um, you know, as the throat starts getting dry and you start getting the lump in it. I said, I got, I got, I got something to talk to, da, 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 da. I'm stuttering a little bit, got something to talk to you about. And he's like, okay, sure, what is it? Um, I said, you, you uh, took the staff and I, I saw you. And I said, I'm stumbling all over my words because I'm nervous, right? Because this could go bad. This could go terrible. You ever had that thought? You got to do something, and you always think it's going to go south. The minute you open your mouth, it's going to go like that. Bodies everywhere. It just ain't going to happen right. So I'm talking to him, and I said, I I felt I should have done this when I was at Gateway, but I didn't. Um, I felt that I should ask for your forgiveness and and apologize to you. And I started recounting what had happened. And he he goes, okay, um, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what you're talking about. So I was like, cover the phone up for a minute. Man, come on, right? So I spent this whole time, come on. Oh, he could have been like, oh, yeah, I, I remember the whole thing, and I'm glad you, you know, because that's what you want. <laughs> you want that, that they're like, oh, you're, I'm so thankful that you actually apologized to me, and you're asking, you want that. But what I got was, I don't even, okay. I, I receive it completely, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, immediately, my heart goes, it starts slow, slowly beating. And I was like, okay. So in this moment, this had completely more to do with me than it did with him. And back at Gateway, God was asking me, do I want to be well? And I was giving him excuses. And all the time, he was just saying, get your bed mat, pick it up and walk. It's an amazing thing that in the middle of, 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 of my wrongness and, and, and just who I am, the way God made me, that he can still operate and chooses to even operate in those moments. And that there's grace and mercy that's shown. Um, I'll share one more story and then we'll... We'll close out. My, my wife, we had a similar thing happen with her, and she okayed this story, so it's okay. She okayed this story because after I had dealt with this, she had a hurt that she had dealt with. She was at another school, and she had been treated poorly and um, lost her job because of it, and, and just it was a hurt that she had that she was, she was sitting on. And after I dealt with this, you know, I think in all my wisdom, I need to give her a word, which don't ever do that, husbands. <laughs> Unless she asks, Amen. don't ever do that because 
that's one of those times when it will not go well. So I felt like I needed to, but I, 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 I didn't step into it. I didn't, I, and, uh, and it just presented itself one night. And I said, maybe there's something to this that you need to literally go and handle this. Maybe there's doors that are being held shut for, for you as well because you haven't handled this. And um, she took my advice, which was, it's always, it's always weird feeling when people are listening to you, right? It's like she took my advice and did it, and then immediately um, a door swung wide open, and now there's a Christian school down the road that has 75 kids that she's the principal of. And that should go to show you that what I'm speaking now is actual truth. Some of us in here today have a bed mat we've been sitting on. It's kept us comfortable, but it's kept us from reality. And reality is not always easy, but necessary. And Jesus literally says, do you want to be well? Do we want to be a well church? Do we want to be a church this whole experiencing free? Do we, do, this, this isn't, do, do we? Do we want to be a well people that represents him well, that makes him visible in the best possible way? If we do, then it's an individual thing to start off with. So the question I pose to everyone in here in this moment, that the first time I got this, I was, I was wrecked, was do you want to be well? And in your mind right now, there are excuses happening. They're filtering through. They're moving around. The enemy's even speaking to you right now, saying that all the reasons you can't be well, all the reasons you can't handle this A, B, C, D, or E. Trust me, I've, as a type A and an analytical person, that's the way he attacks me left and right. But the problem is he doesn't have the final say. He doesn't. Do you want to be well? Let's bow our heads for a moment. I'm, I'm feeling something slightly different in this, this experience. I feel like God is literally speaking to some people in here, and, and you're, you're, having, you're having some marital issues right now, some tensions going on, and he's asking you in this moment, do you want your marriage to be well? It's his intention that your marriage be whole and full of life and heaven on earth, not hell on earth. And he's asking you, do you want to be well? There are also, like, like the story goes on to say, there are also some people in here, like the man, he said he didn't know who healed him. He didn't know who told him to pick up his bed mat and walk. So there's, there's some, some folks in here today that have heard the voice but don't know the speaker. And we want to give an opportunity and space today for you to meet him. The one who speaks the heavens into existence, the stars from his nostrils, the very air that we're breathing. stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you want to be well? Because if so, Jesus says, take up your bed mat.
your bedroll and walk. If we have altar team, you guys will join me down front in this moment. Father, I ask right now that you would impress on the hearts of those who need it. Your voice. Speak love, speak life, speak speak you right now in this moment. If you want to be well and you want to take up your bed mat and walk, there are people who want to stand in agreement with you and pray right here today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's somebody in the house that wants to be well, they've got an issue you're dealing with, you're married. What, and I get the strong impression, the impression of marriage in this moment. I want you to step out of your seat. Bring your spouse. Step out of your seat and meet somebody down here that can pray with you.